Hey guys, welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph Ganowski. After having multiple negative experiences with men, I started to believe all men were toxic. That is, until a few male strangers challenged my belief completely. This made me realize that a major problem with men in relationships stems from the fact that most men don't really love themselves or pay enough attention to their own strengths. I want to change that. Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Men podcast. In today's episode, I interview Nathaniel Solis, who is a self-mastery and leadership coach. This guy is nothing short of amazing, empowering, intelligent, um, very well-spoken, and very captivating as well. So you're going to learn a lot about your mind-body connection in this episode, and it comes from a very masculine place. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. Um, We talk about everything from how to improve your sleep, giving you sleep tactics. Um, Nathaniel explains how an overactive mind means that you have an underactive body. He talks about why anxiety is actually the solution to our problems. Um, Really interesting things that will help you in your day-to-day life um, when you encounter uh, sleep and anxiety (laughs) and everyday things. So he takes a really simple yet empowering approach to just tackling all these topics that would really help you guys, like I said, on a day-to-day basis. So let me introduce to you Nathaniel. Nathaniel has been helping entrepreneurs and executives break through to new levels of achievement through custom mind-body training, internal programming protocols, and lucid leadership strategies. With over 1,000 clients served and having his videos seen by millions all across the world, he lives and breathes strategic optimization and has a natural craft for serving others into their potential. Enjoy, guys. Nathaniel, welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm so happy to have you on. Like I said, I've been watching your stuff for a really long time, and um, I even went back to one of our previous conversations in the DMs, and I was like, you need to be on my show, and you were like, I do, and then we just, (laughs) it's been like a year since that, so Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm finally having you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be really fun. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it will be, and just so you know, you have a really good um, reputation, as a coach. Oh, like, that's I've good. Heard, yeah, I've hope heard so. so many good, <laughs> right? You always hope you have a good rep, but like, but no, I've heard so many coaches and people who aren't, co- who were your past clients, just like talk about you in my DMs. Wow. Oh, and that's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. Like I've never heard. Um, and that's what reminded me of you because other people were like mentioning you. I'm like, there's a lot of people that talk great things about this guy. Like I need to get him on. Um, so you'd like to hear that. Aww. You, just, you totally just made my day. That's so great. You know, I always love, um, rem- like, I love telling people when, you know, like, hey, I just heard somebody talking about you behind your back, but they were just saying lots of good stuff. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a great, a great habit instead of, you know, so many people are, have a habit of talking drama and talking smack about people. And it's like, when I have a chance, I love talking good smack about people behind their back and kind of spreading the vibe like that. So that just kind of, came back around and got back to me, which is awesome. So thanks. Oh, I love that. So what I want to talk about first, we have a lot to discuss here, but I want to start with just your background because, you know, you have a lot of expertise in your coaching, such as high performance, um, biohacking, leadership. So 
I want to just get to know your background a little bit so the listeners know where you're coming from and how you got into all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So, you know, my background really starts from I had my own particular flavor of trauma as a child. You know, everyone's got their own little version of whatever it may be. And mine ultimately ended up making me feel like the black sheep in the family and not fitting in in school. I thought school was just the most ridiculous thing, you know, like you got to be somewhere all day and, and then you got to do homework. It's like, why, why do I have to take this home with me too? I just couldn't stand the whole setup. And, uh, by the time I got to high school, I would ditch school to go home and watch things on YouTube that I was actually interested in, like how to grow your own food and how to make money and how to start your own business and how to, you know, heal. We should be learning in school. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the biggest breakthroughs I got, I had a headache one day and I searched like how to take care of a headache. And, and then I watched this video on EFT tapping and I did it and my headache went away. And I was like, man, this is incredible. Like not a single teacher at my school would know how to help me like instantly relieve a headache. Right. But then I also started learning things about the world and like the reality of what was going on. I grew up in Southern California, kind of in this Pleasantville sort of bubble and didn't realize that you know, there's over a billion people who don't have access to clean drinking water or hygienic facilities, right? Or that we throw out enough food in the U.S. every year to feed every hungry person on the planet, or that there's more empty houses in the U.S. than there are homeless people, right? All these interesting little things. And here I am as this young, this young buck going, holy shit, like that doesn't make any sense. Like, why, why is that allowed? How is that even possible? And then you start to learn how that's possible. And there's a bunch of silly humans making a bunch of silly decisions and you know, you can, you can kind of give that whatever spin you want to give on it. But at the end of the day, I also learned that all the solutions to those things exist. We know how to feed everybody. We know how to take care of everybody. So why are decisions being made the way that they are? And it's really, it's the, the issue has to do with what's happening inside of those people and how well people can relate to each other and how well they can make decisions together, how well we can organize and govern and all these things. So when I was about 15, 16 years old with a group of friends who we kind of got obsessed with kind of studying the world and all the stuff behind the scenes in a sense, we made this commitment that we would do what we could to try to contribute to that, you know, and I made this little personal credo to myself that was like, I want to dedicate my life to trying to make the world a better place, which can sound so kind of cheesy and, you know, dramatic like a movie or something, but I really stuck strong to that, you know, and all these things that I was learning online eventually turned into me starting my own YouTube channel. And this was about 11 years ago now. And, uh, and that just kind of kept growing and scaling. I didn't even know you could make money online. I didn't know people made money with ads. I didn't know coaching existed or anything like that. I was just passionate. And at that point I was in a season of being passionate about health and nutrition and lifestyle with kind of a spiritual twist because I realized one of the best ways to sort of fight the system was to be that happiest, healthiest version of yourself, right? Because when you're depressed and disempowered and can't, don't know how to like have a good day, how can you expect yourself to really get anything else done? So that theme, as I'm sure you can tell, is kind of stuck. Um, but it's gone a lot deeper into realizing like what that really takes and realizing like, you know, food is of such a tiny portion of health and happiness is such a tiny portion of the human experience. So it's definitely expanded since then. Um, but once I was just making those videos just for fun and just wanting to share what I was passionate about, people were naturally reaching out to me and saying like, Hey, I want to eat healthier too. Can I pay you for a consultation? You know, can you help? Can you kind of like audit my, 
habits or, you know, and I was like, what the hell is a consultation? I had to like look up what that even meant. And then I had somebody said, you're just talking about like, yeah, I'd share like, here's my green smoothie recipe and here's what I like to do in the morning. And, you know, kind of the standard, um, standard kind of life coachy content, you know, that people do now, but I was just this kind of shirtless skinny vegan guy who was excited about eating, you know, organic blueberries and wanted everybody else to eat them with me. Um, and then I kind of, and I woke up from that later too, you know, like, so a lot of it was this kind of blind excitement. Um, but that put me on a path of actually realizing there's, you know, that there's a lot of value in refinement and really paying attention and treating myself as an experiment in a sense. And it wasn't until about five years of doing that and kind of just, you know, casually playing around with helping people and, and giving consulting and stuff like that is when I realized, Oh, people actually do this like for a living. Uh, maybe I should take this a little bit, a little more seriously and consider how I can really deliver clear results for people and like, and really go deep with people. And so that's when I really amped up my study of human behavior itself and psychology and, you know, uh, trauma and facilitation and leadership and communication skills and these different types of things. But it's basically been this 10 year journey of ultimately being so curious about why, for the most part, why I couldn't do things I wanted to do and kept finding myself doing things I didn't want to do, just kind of basic human behavior stuff. And so getting really kind of obsessed with that. And while at the same time, realizing every single other human I've ever met and will ever meet for the rest of my life is dealing with the exact same things and just getting really obsessed with the human condition. And um, I'm actually working on a book right now called Hacking the Human Condition. And the sort of premise of that kind of encapsulates my sort of ethos in a sense, where not, not the idea of hacking like a shortcut, like a life hack, right? But the idea of like a computer hacker can do what they do because they understand the language of that computer. And it's a really complicated language. And they can edit how the language is spoken in the computer to then change how the computer operates. Right. So how do we understand the language that drives human behavior on an individual and collective scale, in a sense, and then edit how that happens so that we get a different outcome? So that's a lot of my work with people now and, and with myself where this is developed is like, how do we actually get down to these kind of root cause types of things and put the individual in the actual appropriate space to receive those insights, not so that they have to kind of force the change or kind of psych themselves into change, but how do you kind of facilitate a space where it actually happens naturally because you're paying attention to the right like levers to pull. And uh, so for the last five years now, I've, you know, been coaching full time and, you know, living, living my best life and, having lots of fun and, and kind of like just kind of naturally fell into this. Uh, I didn't even graduate high school, by the way. So I kind of, that whole turned into its own. I just, I was like, yeah, this thing doesn't work. And I actually ran away from home, you know, when I was in high school with, cause I had an abusive family and basically had to be an entrepreneur and had to make things work. And I thought YouTube would save me. And I didn't really realize I was trying, I was trying to somehow make money on YouTube without even realizing people did the, you know, YouTube revenue program on there. For a couple of years, I was like, how does this work? Everyone seems to <laughs> not be complaining about money and making more videos. And then so I had to make that work. And, um, but yeah, it's like the last five, six years have been like running retreats. I've worked with over a thousand clients at this point between my one-on-one and group programs and retreats and things like that. And I'm all in and I just love basically like right now, my, what I love about my work is I just get to like study my clients, you know, like get obsessed about them and be so curious about them and get to kind of help them process their reality more efficiently 
while also kind of adding in these little things. People treat me now like this little wizard they have in their pocket so they can just kind of chime in and, you know, get my, my wizardly insights on things. And I'm not a self-proclaimed wizard. They say that, but I've been taking it on. If you can't tell by the, by the chin beard. Uh, yeah, no, you're grown into the wizard look. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so it feels natural and it's just a lot of fun. I love people and um, I think everything's a lot simpler than we've been making it, you know? So I'm, I'm glad that I can come on shows like this and hopefully we'll kind of hit some topics and, and I love giving people that kind of like, Oh yeah, duh, that yeah. kind of feeling. And you can pretty much apply that to any type of personal work, you know? Yeah. So true. I love that. I love that you just went for it and you, you took something that was painful and you made something beautiful out of it by helping people and creating this mission to just make the world a better place. Yeah. Um, Might as well. Right. I mean, it's like, we're all here and I literally couldn't think, I can't think of anything else anyone would actually naturally want to do hmm. than some version of that. Right. And not everyone has to be a coach or a speaker or travel the world and write books and do all that thing. But like you being the best painter you can be or the best mom you can be or the best baker you could be. It's like people just going all in and owning their passion and owning like their gift. That is what we're all supposed to do. That is what we're all here to do. Yeah. And I think we get so distracted with, um, with money and just fame and, you know, mm-hmm. look at me, look, I'm like, I'm doing this and it's just like, it needs to look glamorous when people are just forgetting to live just live your life. Like, even if you're not making money with the thing you're passionate about, do something you're passionate about on the side. Like it just needs yeah. to happen. And I think that, um, I love that you mentioned the word curiosity a bunch of times, because mm-hmm. I think the difference between the person that chases passion in life or has lives to their highest potential is the one who is curious. And mm-hmm. if you don't have the curiosity, you just take life too seriously and you fall into depression and beating yourself up instead of mm-hmm. just saying, Oh, it's funny that I did that. Like, that's so, that's like so silly. I used to call myself stupid all the time and I'd be like, fuck, I'm so stupid. Mm-hmm. And it was just a way to beat myself down. And when I flipped to curiosity, it became this, wow, like I'm so silly. I can't believe I did yeah. that. Why did I do that? And then I go mm-hmm. down and try to understand myself. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like this relates to when I did that. And that's probably mm-hmm. why this just happened. And you start learning so much about yourself and then you want to help other people figure it out like you, or you're just like, oh, like it's more simple than you think. You just got to ask yourself why and then ask yourself why again and then ask mm-hmm. yourself why to that. And it just leads yeah. you back to the actual cause, which is so cool and fascinating. Yeah. And yeah, I love Every, it. Everyone's about three, four, five whys away from mm-hmm. a good breakthrough, you know, yeah. at any point. <laughs> that's, that's a powerful one. Yeah. And it's funny because I'll be, I don't know about you, but I'll be on the phone with my clients and I'll just keep asking, all right, why this? Why that? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? And they don't yeah. even real. I don't even think they realize I'm asking why, but at the end they're like, whoa, because <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah. everyone hits it. It like, it always just, it always works. We're just too surface level in our understanding of things. It's true. It's true. So when it comes to leadership, what do you, what do you serve? How do you serve your clients in regards to helping them become better leaders? And I'm not sure if mm-hmm. is leadership and high performance like connected in what you do or how does that, how does it work the way you work with your clients? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's a, They're definitely interwoven. You know, it requires a level of leadership to embody a high performance lifestyle, right? Ultimately in a sense, leadership is just the ability to actually follow through on an intention. I'd say if we're to, to, I just made that up, but you know, if we're going to define it really simply, that's really what it is. Leaders have an intention to get their company somewhere and then they're either able to follow up and make sure that happens or not. 
and a good leader makes it happen really efficiently and they bring everybody on board and it all feels like a, like a wonderful time. Right. Um, but it also, in order to be a great leader, you, you really deserve to be performing in your best state. Right. And I like the distinction that Brendan Burchard makes between peak performance and high performance, where if you think of a peak, what happens after a peak is you dip. So the idea of sustained high performance is like, how do you raise your baseline so that you don't have to like psych yourself into crushing it. You just naturally get things done appropriately. And there's no need to psych yourself up into some peak state because your your actual natural average state is enough. Right. And then occasionally when you need to, ramp it up, you know how to do that and then also know how to regulate so that peak state isn't then burning you out later, right? And most people are operating in these sort of peaks and valleys. So a good leader is very consistent and very steady, right? And that's internally, they're very steady um, and they have the right kind of emotional intelligence and the right sort of relationship with their body and how they operate throughout the day, which understanding certain high performance principles helps you do that. So they're totally interwoven and, and, uh, a lot of my clients are people who kind of used a, let's say, old paradigm version of leadership and performance in order to get to where they got to. And let's say they now have an awesome business or awesome enough, like it makes money, which most people like, that's just their only barometer. Like, oh, cool. I'm in the green and I can pay my bills and I can also like take people out to dinner. Cool. Life's set. Even though I don't really have anybody to take out to dinner, <laughs> right? And I don't even feel like going out to dinner. And everything just, you know, so it's like that can happen more often than you might expect. And so those people need to kind of kind of humble a certain part of themselves and go back to a lot of the basics, you know, for the first couple of weeks or sometimes a couple of months with a lot of my clients, we're just make, teaching them how to like get a good night's sleep, right? And eat the right food and not, not even the right food, but just like have the right relationship with food. Everyone, everyone's a little different on that front. Right. Um, and Can we touch on sleep really quickly. I don't want to. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I have a lot of clients who are struggling with sleep right now mm-hmm. and it's been this big thing all of a sudden where everyone's struggling with sleep. So like, what would you, if you could give them a piece of advice, that would be really great. Yeah. Well, what I, what I'd love to give them, I actually have a, a mini little course on sleep that I'm launching really soon. And I'd love to just give them, give it to your guys just so we can cover that. Cause I can, I'll do a couple things here, but we can either, we can discuss that or if we don't, they can use a code Steph and they'll just get it for free. Okay. So whatever, oh, just, just to throw that out there. Yeah. Oh, uh, cause, you. cause might as well. That's cause that's the thing with a lot of this work. It's like, it's the implementation that makes it work. It's not the tips. Every single guy listening has already Googled how to sleep better. And they read all the things and they saw all the hacks and then here they are. Right. So it's more about the implementation. Um, but when it comes to sleep, the number one kind of hack to it is to let it actually be important to you. And a lot of the times that's a matter of emotional leverage. So you need to start to get clear on how bad not sleeping well is actually fucking up your life. And you start to, and the truth is when you look at every single thing, not going well in your life, every single one of those is improved by getting better sleep. And that doesn't necessarily mean sleeping more. It means the quality of sleep. So when you go to try to sleep better, you want to look at the hacks that improve the quality of your sleep, which means you're getting the right amount of deep sleep and REM sleep and light sleep, which are these different brainwave cycles you go through while you're sleeping. I've had this aura ring, which tracks my sleep for two years now. 
And I've always considered myself a really good sleeper. And once I got this on, I've been able to kind of tweak some things. And now I am objectively a great sleeper, right? Um, so just to list off a couple simple things people have heard, but these are definitely some of the game changers. Um, and, and they're so obvious. Some of these like actually wind down each night, like actually give yourself a, about an hour to, to prepare yourself for sleep. So for me, I live with my partner, my girlfriend, which is wonderful. So every night we have a room where we go and we stretch together and we have, you know, our screens and phones put away and we stretch and we have a massage table and a little Thera gun, like one of those massage guns. And we just like massage the crap out of each other until we are so relaxed, we could just like fall asleep. So just that alone, if you have the ability to do that, that kind of just handles it, right? So like actually letting yourself release the day and relax. And for a lot of guys too, it's important for that to include some type of evening journaling process where you just kind of get out all the shit that's still in your head at the end of the day. And a lot of the time, those are the things you want to attack first thing tomorrow. So to get that out of your head lets you kind of trust um, okay, cool. I got that's handled. I have this external hard drive, my little journal, my little to-do list, and I want to get that out of my head so I can go to bed, not having to keep chewing on that and worrying about that. So that's super helpful. Kind of clearing your head and then clearing your body, like getting the energy out of your body. So stretching massages are great. Even just like laying in bed, massage your own feet does better than you, than you might imagine. You know, it can be really, really helpful. Even massaging your, you know, your shoulders, your neck, things like that. Um, all the, the whole kind of uh, bandwagon of blue blockers and, and, and the blue light issues on your screen, that's a real thing, totally scientifically proven and makes a huge difference when you pay attention to it. So what that really means is the blue light on your screens is telling your brain it's noon and it's making your brain secrete the neurochemistry, the hormones to match what you need at noon, which means wide awake, ready for everything. So the more you can minimize those blue light, um, as once the sun goes down that whole time after that is when you want to be minimizing that light, but ideally an hour to 90 minutes before you plan on being asleep or being in bed, trying to fall asleep, you want no blue light in your system at all. Um, the blue light blockers help make sure you get the right ones. Make sure it's a company that like touts that they have done testing and all that kind of stuff. And they're not just cool looking ones. Make sure they're actually legitimate. That makes a big difference. Um, actually having your room, uh, your room needs to be as dark as possible, ideally pitch black. You don't want little lights on from your charger or a, or a clock or anything like that. You want to put a little tape on them or just don't have them in there. You want your Wi-Fi off because the Wi-Fi signal also tells your brain that it's daytime and, you're, and it stops the secretion of melatonin that helps you go to sleep. And you want it to be really cool. A lot of people like getting really cozy when they go to bed and your body is actually trying to cool down to initiate all the sleep uh, physiology that you need. And they found that between 60 to 68 degrees is actually the ideal temperature, uh, in your room to fall asleep. And we like, we, we live here in Austin, Texas, and it'll stay pretty, you know, warm in the evenings. And we will set our thermostat to like 72 and that's totally fine. It, that feels plenty cool. And then sticking your feet out from under the, the, the covers helps sleeping, make sure you don't sleep with any socks on and also sleeping naked helps a lot. Um, and it helps your body regulate your temperature prop- properly. Um, and that's that it. those are like I, the simple I don't ones, yeah. sleep naked. And like my sister and my mom laugh at me and they're like, <laughs> they're like, everybody sleeps yeah. naked. You're supposed to sleep naked. I'm like, yeah. And you never know, like some people, maybe how comfy you feel wearing whatever you wear might, might like outweigh the other thing. So if you feel yeah. good and comfy getting to bed, that probably does better than some little biohack thing, but you never know. 
So it's worth experimenting with. Yeah. Um, and let's say those are probably, therapy? those are red light therapy is great. So that's a great example where um, the specific, it's so interesting. We live on this planet and it does the same 24 hour cycle, right? Over and over and over again. And it's almost like we're supposed to relate to that. Like there's this built in system. You ever wonder what, if you have a dog or a cat, it's like, they know exactly when it's time to eat. They know exactly when it's time for their afternoon nap. They know exactly when it's time to go on a WALK, right? It's like every single time there it's built in. That's their circadian rhythm. Humans have that too, but we have so disrupted that and so gotten in the way of that through a lot of the, you know, crappy, you know, habits that we have. So red light helps mimic um, the frequency the sun's giving off at sunrise and at sunset. So also ideally, if you can actually see a sunrise or a sunset, or at least be outside and let the light onto your skin and into your eyes at those times helps your body get in alignment with that circadian rhythm too. And it's easier to fall asleep uh, at the right time and early enough on a day where you got to experience that red light frequency during those times of the day. And then red light themselves has uh, benefits on your mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, MVP, and, um, and a bajillion other things, but red light is also wonderful. And, and also a great, uh, if you're, if you want to, you know, in our little body room where we do our stretching and stuff at night, we have a red light in there. So when we're in there at night, um, the only light that we have is a light that actually helps your body transition into the proper sleepy time vibes. Mm. Mm. What about noises? What about like sounds for sleep? Yeah. I mean, you want to avoid, I personally sleep with eye mask on and earbuds in every single night. And it's this perfect little sanctuary for me where I just guarantee, and I fall asleep in like three minutes every night and I get all the deep sleep, all the REM sleep that I need. Maybe I'm a sensitive sleeper. I can fall asleep just fine and do the rest just fine. But there's something about, you know, how we have like cues with habits and rituals, right? Um, So just the act of putting those in and like the, 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 the sensation of hearing the sound kind of disappear as the earbuds kind of fill up my ear. There's something about that that's so relaxing for me and just kind of puts me in like, oh, we're going to sleep. This is my body knows what this is and I do it every single night. So it's kind of this ritual that makes it land. And then I'm less prompted to be woken up by a sound or something. Um, And when you live in a city or somewhere where cars are driving by and things like that, that will make a huge difference. We wake up sometimes dozens of times throughout the night, but you're not aware of it because you don't fully wake up, but it's enough to where you're disrupting the appropriate sleep cycle you're supposed to be having. It's also your worst nightmare if you aren't kind of right in, like if I got a bunch of stuff or a bunch of unfinished business or stuff I haven't integrated, that's actually medicine because I'm sitting there now and all I can, I can't hear anything but my own thoughts, right? So I know I had a great day when it's time to go to bed, I put those in and there's nothing in there and I can just conk out. So it's also kind of a good gauge if you're willing to take it on in that way. Mm, I love that. What is something that, um, cause I know, um, what my clients have mentioned is that their thoughts are just running. And I love that you mentioned the journal exercise before sleep where you're like, just mm-hmm. get all your thoughts out so that they're not going yeah. and going. I also, along with my clients have thoughts of, you know, fearful thoughts or just thoughts about the next day, what I have to do. And it's just, they just keep going and going. I'm like, I try to shut them off and it's like, it's very hard. What do you recommend besides journaling? Cause sometimes I do journal. Is there any other thing that you recommend mm-hmm. in order to get thoughts kind of cleared or like flip them better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, having an actual system for what you do with your thoughts and tasks and projects and even just ideas like, oh, I want to go to Sweden someday. Like, what do you do with that thought? 
because you don't necessarily need to think that thought again for months or maybe even years. It's just not important, but yet we'll keep it around. Right? Or something like, oh, I got to call Joe back. And you think that first thing in the morning, and then you're thinking that all day. You need to have a system for where that thought goes so that it can become a task and so that it can get done. Right? The getting things done method is a great sort of introduction to that. There's a TED talk called The Art of Stress-Free Productivity that everyone should go check out. And it's just a good kind of introduction to those principles. I've been using those principles for the last 10 years where it's like, he even says you should, you never need to think the same thought twice because you should have a process for what you do with those thoughts. And it's not some big complicated kind of thing. So just, I just want to double down on like the journaling part and being able to get everything out of your head, but in a system that you trust actually makes it so it's out of your head and it's actually out there because I now have a thing on my computer and on my phone where once a thought comes up like, oh, I better make sure to send my bio to Steph so she can put it on the podcast, I don't have to think that ever again. And it's just done. And I actually won't think it again because I've then built a sort of relationship and I trust the system. So part of it is having a system you trust so your, your mind and your nervous system can actually release the tension of that thought and it doesn't have to hold on to it. And that's a great segue because mindset, I don't believe in mindset anymore or that term. I think there's a lot of nuance that's so important to add to that conversation. And your mindset is a body set. Your mindset is a state of being. So if you struggle with an overactive mind, it's probably because you, a a good portion of that is because you have an underactive body or you have a body that is not properly getting the right stimulation that it needs. And that can be yang stimulation, like a heavy workout, like a CrossFit thing or like going on a run, but also the yin stimulation, like getting massages or meditation or stretching or breath work or being able to, and some breath works very yang as well, uh, or going for a walk in nature, right? So a lot of my clients, whenever they're in a kind of overwhelmed mental space, my first response or suggestion is always has something to do with their body and nothing to do with how they're thinking or what to do with what they're thinking. You know, especially for guys, like the moment you find yourself overthinking, do 20 push-ups, and almost guaranteed you're either kind of sorted the thing out mid push-ups, or by the time you're done with those push-ups, you're more prepared to actually have the bandwidth to be with that, whatever it was you were chewing on something that simple. And anyone listening who goes, yeah, 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 whatever. I've tried that. It's like, well, keep trying, keep experimenting. Like I, I I can absolutely, as someone who is probably one of the, uh, how do I want to phrase this? I have a very active mind, right? Like I'm, and it's this tool, it's this, this weapon that I've learned to really harness and cultivate. And I actually would, can, honestly say I'm one of the more still minded people that I know of now. And people give me that feedback a lot. Or my girlfriend often asks me, what are you thinking about? And then I'm like, nothing, actually, like literally nothing. I was, maybe I was thinking about how nice this view looks out the window, but that's about it. Like I was just actually here, right? Which is a, a, a blessing in my life. I used to have really bad anxiety from a lot of overthinking, but I actually had the bad anxiety from a lot of under bodying. (laughs) It's almost always a body thing. Um, If you consider anyone who's ever had a good workout, when you're driving home from the gym, you are thinking a lot more clearly than when you're driving to the gym, almost guaranteed. And everyone can think of our mid workout when you're walking from one machine to the other, you're not really thinking about anything. You're just kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm so glad I showed up today. And you're just in it and you're just there. So you got to like remind yourself of like, yeah, what does produce those states or 
man, every time, every Sunday morning when I actually do go on that hike, God, it feels really good. And you have to like remind yourself where you access those states and make sure that you're designing that into your sort of day to day and stop making them these kind of nice to haves when they're really must haves. Mm. And that's funny you mentioned that because I experienced this a couple days ago. I was on my run at the track and I was, I've been in a little funk over the past month or so. And um, with me being in this funk, it was just frustrating because I'm like, I'm used to being this passionate person and I, I'm used to waking up and loving what I'm doing. And then, you know, once in a while I'll have these months where I'm just like, I don't want to do anything. Like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to, I don't want to jump on my client calls, even though I love my clients. I'm just like, I don't want to do it. And then I, I did a run at the track and, and then I just came to this conclusion where I'm like, wait, every time I came up with like a really great idea or a really passionate idea, I was outside and I was moving my body and I'm like, Mm -hmm. holy shit. And it was just like, it was such a simple thing, but I'm like, I never realized that like when I get the most passionate about my work, it's always because I'm out and I'm listening to a podcast or watching a video as Mm -hmm. I'm out, like either working out or I just finished working out. Yeah. And it was like, wow, I need to move more because I've been inside so much with COVID and not seeing my friends and not having a lot of physical interaction either, you know, like just like Mm -hmm. staying in the same room all the time, like not really putting myself out there or moving my body outside and just being in nature. And it was just like such an easy, simple wake up call where I'm like, all right, stuff, you just got to go outside more and you got to, you know, watch a video, watch, listen to Esther Perel when you go outside, Mm -hmm. like clicked me. It was just interesting. And then I also realized as you're saying this, when I was little and I would have anxiety as a kid, I used to clean my room. Like I just Mm -hmm. had to move and I had to move my body and like put things in order. But I was started cleaning the whole house at one point because I was just like, I would, my room would be done. So I'd have to find other ways to like just move in the house. Yeah. And it like really calmed me. So a great thing on anxiety and a really good thing to remember whenever you're feeling it and not, you know, overthinking is one thing which most people are just doing all the time anyways, but anxiety, when you like feel it in your body or in your gut and you kind of have the like butterflies in your gut or you feel really flustered or it's like this really uncomfortable body feeling, that's actually your body getting into fight or flight. And it's actually your body trying to show you that it has the energy to handle the perceived threat. Mm. So you want to use that energy. And often we get anxiety and then go jump in our bed and get on our phone and watch some stupid shit or go. And we tell ourselves, this is bad. This is bad. And we try to kind of numb it and suppress. Oh no, this is, I'm having anxiety. That's a problem. It's like, no, no, no. The anxiety is the solution. The anxiety is your body building up energy because it thinks there's some threat. So it's ready to run away or it's ready to attack. So literally even just get walking around your house or walking around the block will help kind of burn off that energy that just came to the surface so that it could be used. And once that energy subsides, you're in a much better state of being to perceive whatever that threat may have been. And it's probably not a threat, right? It's mm. often, it's just being a human on planet earth. Someone left a mean comment on Instagram. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but our natural body thinks we're about to die. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or you feel threatened. It's like our biggest fear is being cast out of the tribe, right? Being, being abandoned. So, if you feel that fear from some kind of social thing or even just some digital means or you're texting some girl and, and it's maybe not going how you thought you're like, Holy crap, am I ruining this? What's going on? Like straight up, go punch some pillows and just let yourself be afraid of what you're thinking might happen so that you can then be in the position to not create that outcome. Right. Most of the time we are 
assuming worst case scenarios and then putting ourselves in the perfect state to then go and create them because we're not understanding what that fear state is actually doing for us. And it's actually an asset and it's putting us in the position to handle it when you know how to relate to how that energy is moving through your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And we really do like, we just focus so much on the fear. So eventually we just, like you said, end up in that situation. Cause what, what yeah. other situation can we end up in if all we're thinking about and preparing for is the worst, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's so, that's just where the brain goes to protect ourselves. But like something I love um, what you're saying is that, you know, emotions are helping us. Like they're telling us something. That's why Mm -hmm. they're there. And anger is not a bad emotion. You know, like Mm -hmm. sadness is not a bad emotion. It's helping you. It's telling you something. When it comes to men trying to handle their, um, their sadness, because I do have a lot of guys who just they go through a breakup or something terrible and they're just saying, it's okay, whatever. It's okay. And like, mm-hmm. I have to get them to talk about it so that they can work through it and not yeah. just push it to the side or, you know, hide it somewhere in their mind. Yeah. What would you say to guys? It's kind of a general question, but like when it comes to guys who feel like they want to be more expressive in their sadness, because I do have clients who are like, I wish I could not feel shame around sadness, but I do. So I just don't go there. What's something you can tell them? Hmm. Mm. I think a great access point for sadness is frustration. I think it's very, it's a lot easier for guys to access anger and frustration. And about a hundred percent of the time, the thing you're sad about, you could be pretty pissed off that you're sad about a thing. You could be pretty frustrated that this thing has come up for you to be sad about or not be sad about, or what the fuck, how am I supposed to like, Oh, oh my God, frustration. It's, it's just there. Right. So, and I think guys can feel a lot, it's easier to feel a bit more comfortable. Like, fuck, I just feel frustrated. And that might lead to a good cry or a good, some type of opening there. Um, and it's also important to know that on the other side of a cry, a, an actual cry is the specific neurochemical release that gives you the aha moment and the integration moment that you're needing from that thing. So when we're not letting ourselves complete emotional experiences, most guys, really all humans, and a lot of guys are walking around, let's say you're 30 years old, and you're walking around with 30 years, when when you're a kid, you're much better at it. So let's say 25 years of incomplete emotional experiences. And that's why sometimes something will just make you snap, or something will just totally downward spiral you, because that's that an actual physiological neurochemical operation in your body that's trying to complete itself. That's what trauma is, is an incomplete moment, a moment we couldn't come to terms with, a moment that we couldn't come to closure with. And it's an emotional closure, not a mental closure. It's not like, yeah, well, she cheated on me and, and went off with this dude and, and fuck it. That's fine. Cause she cheated on me, you know? So like, it's, a, it's, I didn't want to be with her anyways. And it's like, no, you did. And she cheated on you and that's a surprise and you're upset and you would have rather her not cheated on you and that you guys are still together and doing all this great stuff. Like that actually is what's true. And then when you let yourself feel that you get to like actually come to a real completion, you know, Joe Dispenza talks about, or you talk to any, you know, uh, neuroscientist, emotions are a chemical process. They're not this like airy fairy, like energetic thing. They're not this like made up sort of cloud that floats through your body. It's a measurable neurochemical process. And that last, an emotional release chemically lasts for about five minutes. 
And most people can have a five minute truly emotional experience and actually in a sense, and there's a lot of nuance to this, right? And a lot of exceptions, but in a sense be done with that emotion in about five minutes. But what happens is we don't know how to relate to emotions. So we keep re-triggering the release of those chemicals because we're resisting it and then we're trying to talk our way around it and then we're distracting ourselves and focusing on this and we never come to completion. And I'm sure a lot of guys listening at some point have had an experience where let's say you're trying to get something done and then you trying to find some file on your computer. I just had a client tell me this this morning. So it's like, he's, he's about to do a presentation and then couldn't find the files for the presentation. And the best thing he could do right then would is be absolutely fucking pissed for about five minutes because holy shit, he just ruined his whole presentation. Like what if it goes wrong? Right? Like, all those questions, all those fears, let that come up and be absolutely pissed and act appropriately to that emotion, which is going to look like screaming or pounding your chest or running around or punching some pillows or whatever you can do. And then you're done. And then you actually get the appropriate neurochemical, you know, released, integrate that experience. And then you can sit down and remember, oh yeah, the files are here. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he did. But most guys are just like, oh fuck, that's annoying. And then they just kind of go back and keep looking and you're just like in this kind of half-ass not being the actual moment you're having and trying to just supersede it and then never completing it. And then never actually solving the problem in the first place because you couldn't get yourself in a state to do so. Mm. So for a lot of men, I'd say start to study this stuff, like get excited about understanding you have a lot more access and control in your body than you've been taught. And there's an actual methodology to what your body's trying to do. And feelings are a completely real and appropriate and, and tangible and genuine experience for men. And yes, women are, are physiologically more emotional than men, but it's not that men like aren't supposed to do emotional stuff. We're supposed to do it just as much. We're just wired a little bit differently. You get into John Gray's work. He explains that stuff really beautifully. You know, women are emotional and men are mental. It's like, no, we're both completely both. And there's a time and place. And there's different ways to handle it and be with it. In reality, men are better designed to process emotions privately, often, or with other men. And that creates a very different space. And it doesn't mean there's no reason not to process with, with women or with other people. But I, I really encourage men to know yourself well enough that you know if you had a shitty ass day, you know how to be with that and integrate it that day. And not go out, not go drinking or just stay home and smoke weed and watch porn all night and then, you know, forget you had a shitty day. You know, one of the biggest problems men have with that kind of incomplete emotion thing is we will have, you know, go out and be at war with the world all day as we seem to think that's what we're doing, right? And then we come home or we finish our day, it's 5 p.m. And then it's time to drink or smoke or porn or masturbate or chat up women or do all this stuff. And we're actually now shifting ourselves out of an honest state, which is I had a stressful day or holy shit, I feel really shitty today because I did not follow through. Like someone was upset with me today and I'm pissed about it or I'm really embarrassed or holy shit, my life is not where I want it to be and I'm sad, I'm upset, right? And we don't actually, we then, we basically end our day in a lie. We end our day in a false state, usually with some substance or some activity that's going to shift our state And then we're not giving ourselves any opportunity to like actually solve those things. Now, there's nothing wrong with drinking, smoking, porn, masturbating. I mean, I'm I'm like an anti-porn guy myself. 
I know that there are really cool like art artsy conscious porn out there and I'm sure that's worth looking into but just the the way that fucks with your dopamine and all those things just not worth it just you know flirt with women get a girlfriend you know like put in some put in some work way more (laughs) worth it put in some work um but there's nothing wrong with those things so I'm not trying to be one of those guys either but there there's absolutely something wrong with lying to yourself and if you had a stressful day you can be done with that today you can integrate each day that day and you can actually integrate the day and then consciously choose to fucking smoke a bowl or drink some stuff or do whatever you want to do from a completely different place and from a completely different state which makes it a totally different decision because you're not doing it because you're stressed you're doing it because you want to do it yeah or most guys they're just not even making a choice in the first place they're just end up doing it right it's completely unconscious it's just a habit um and that's one of the other branches of my business over the last couple of years with the more male clients that i've worked on is i have a, a program called masterful man that's just into those things because i started to realize how big a deal that is like Men don't even, we think it's normal to like wake up, immediately look at my phone, drink a bunch of coffee basically all day, you know, eat some crappy food all day, do some like shitty, super young workout that's not even connected to my body. And then either I'm smoking weed during the day or there's a lot of guys who are doing all kinds of different drugs and stuff and, or thinking it's cool to take nootropics every single day, which is just insane. And not lot. You just got to be logical, you know, think about it. <laughs> and then they have their glass of whiskey every night. And then that's just like, that's what you do. That's just how it works. And again, there's no shame and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if you're not happy with your results in life, you got to look at what can, what is your life is made out of, you know? And for most guys, there's actually something deeper, always, an in, there's always an incomplete emotional experience that has to do with a relationship or their parents or themselves or something with their sexuality. Not like if you're gay or not, but like some experience they had or, you know, they, they crossed a boundary and didn't mean to, and they could never forgive themselves for it. You know, like those types of things are so real and so potent and something as simple as you know, a girl, like I had a a girl I dated in high school, which what does that even mean? Like, that's not real, a real relationship, at least where I was at. I was just like, I didn't know what I was doing. And then years later, she like messaged me on Facebook to tell me how bad of a boyfriend I was. And it's like, I can't even remember anything we did to get like, it was so non (laughs) consequential (laughs) to me. But then for like a year or two, I like carried around like, holy shit, like, did I just like ruin this girl's life? Is there something wrong with and then that got in the way of the rest of my behaviors everyone's walking around with these little like tiny moments and if you don't know to have how to initiate integration with yourself which is a really complex and very simple mechanically but complex experientially um concept to dive into um but i think all all, everyone who's listening to this knows themselves well enough to know when they're doing things that are essentially band-aids versus things that aren't sustainable and regenerative and the real deal. So it's really to just wrap up that whole kind of section is just have the courage to really look at that and then know that there's communities of hundreds of thousands of men and wonderful coaches like Steph who can be with you and guide you through these things and get, have your back, you know? Um, But there are so many men waking up to like what's really possible for us. And you have to consider it's like this, like a matrix analogy works really well, but just kind of like this hypnosis under this sort of spell. Um, and then you look at the whole like toxic masculinity m- meme, 
which I think is actually a lack of masculinity. Um, is the, is the, everything they describe as toxic masculinity is really just men who aren't even men yet. And men have been so, we've been stripped from our rite of passage, which is really the core, the root wound, the root cause of all of that. Women have a built-in rite of passage. At some point, they're a teenager and they start bleeding out of their body. And they're like, holy shit, what's going on? This is going to happen every month. I have to now like manage things and I have to like relate to body and sensations and hormones and all, right? It's like, it's a, this beautiful built-in thing. And then because you're around either a mom or some other woman who's also shares that exact same experience and their version, there's this like built-in kind of understanding of like, Hey, let me make sure you kind of understand, like you want to get these pads or you want to do this. Let me help, you know? And there's like this simple built-in thing. Women also deserve a much deeper rite of passage for that too. Cause it's such a special part of their life. Men don't have anything like that. Men's rite of passage is, well, me and my buddies found this porn site when we were 13. Look at these boobies. <laughs> and that's how you, and like, boom, there you're it. And then you're like, oh my God, I can touch my wiener and it feels good. And then you're just in this messy, funny, weird, wacky. And especially, I can't even imagine what like 13 year old kids get access to now. For me, it was like, yeah. like E-bombs e world, you know, way back in the day. And you like legit see like a, an old clip of like a, newscaster and her boob falls out and you're like holy shit this is the coolest thing ever right and that was about it i mean i'm sure there was crazy shit yeah. then too i just didn't know how to find it um until i did <laughs> but anyways it's just meant we, we we have this so kind of deeply minimized version of what it means to be a guy and we just fall into these kind of memes and memes aren't just pictured like you, the memetics right you study like a poodle skirt is a meme right or you know, uh, uh, a man bun is a meme, right? Or, you know, uh, triggered liberals is a meme, whatever, right? It's like all these different kind of notions or kind of collective uh, behaviors, right? So just so people understand when I use that word. Mm -hmm. But we've been, fall we've fallen into like this option of what it means to be a man. And there's just a few version memes of it. You're either like this type of bro or this type of, you know, jerk or this type of this or this type of that. And there's only a few of those. And we just naturally, by default, fall into them because we want to fit in and we want to be a part of the tribe, right? We want to feel safe and connected. And it's not until, and that's why when you go to branch out of it or try something new, people try to like, dude, you're weird, bro. Med you're meditating, like, dude, fucking hippie, you know? And it's like, people don't even, don't even mean to say that, but they're just wired to say it because you're now confronting the part of them that's like, I'm stressed out all day. Meditation would probably be really great for me, but it sounds weird. And I don't want to get judged by my friends. So I'm going to judge you so that you don't get into it so that you can help me stay the same. Mm. So do men fear being accepted more than women are? I think we all, I, I don't know if that, I, I don't have the answer to that. Well, and I just think we all fear, we all fear it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I do, but I do think that there's, especially in the last, I'd say since the, me too movement and the rise of modern feminism and how loud and, and potent that's been. I think men maybe are in a, have been in a season the last decade. That's a lot more afraid of their behavior and how they're showing up. And there's, just seems to be a lot less, we're kind of on thin ice, right? And there's a lot, seems to be a lot less room for failure and things like that. There's when a lot really, of questioning for men today. A lot of questioning when really it's just so much easier to be a great guy when you look at it that way so much easier like just don't send the dick pic you know don't just don't start your message with like 
hey mama what's up that's all yeah. you got you know like yeah. just that alone right i've heard women like oh my god this guy like no. asked me an interesting question wow what a dream boat you know and it's like that's <laughs> so it's a huge yeah. asset too um but it's also a really great gauge to kind of like oh yeah do do am i one of those guys do i do that why do i do that stuff you know and be again coming back to curiosity just being willing to like what role do i want to play and to understand that you can make massive shifts, you know, it's like that curiosity, it doesn't take long for that curiosity to lead to um, a, a, a really genuine and empowering understanding of what's available for us as far as how easy and available it is for us to make the changes we're trying to make, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're yeah. struggling with whatever particular dynamic you have going on in your life, it's like a weekend of curiosity leads you going, Holy crap, I found this whole guy's YouTube channel just dedicated to game gaming addiction or just dedicated to no fat or just dedicated, you know, all these little entry points to this sort of more conscious, more aware man that exists. And there's a whole blueprint for that. You know, all the solutions for every issue men struggle with today exist. All those solutions exist. And you might find someone like me who tries to create kind of a holistic vision and kind of get you to a simple center point so that you can naturally access these things. Or you go in one specific and one guy who just is really good at, you know, dating without having to be a jerk, you know, or one person who's really good at, you know, communication skills or emotional literacy for men or whatever you can kind of go, you know, narrow in a certain category. Um, but it doesn't take much to just get curious about what categories you're interested in and go do something about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would, I can probably speak both, but when I say anyone listening right now, if you go, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I think the getting my sleep thing right, or, you know, uh, I want to start dating more and feel better approaching that, like coming to you or me on Instagram and sending the DM and just be like, Hey, have any resources? Like, where should I look into this? I'm an open invitation for that. And I imagine you're a great, such a great resource for guys to come. So I'm just kind of adding that to the mix. Anyone listening? Because a lot of time when you're listening to shows like this, you get the spark and you're like, fuck, I should just look into that. And now I'm just want to extend the invitation that like you have two people right here who would love to receive your curiosity and see if we can kind of point you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there's so many people to help. And I know that a lot of guys are feeling stuck and I've had guys who reached out to me like three years ago and then they reach out to me again and it's the same problem. And I'm like, all right, let's move. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. You know? And they yeah. just like, they're just not ready. And, you know, they, I can't force them to be ready. They have to be ready on their own terms. Um, and it's just interesting. It's interesting how like we carry the same problems for years and mm -hmm. you can imagine how much weight, like emotional and mental weight that must have on a person. I mean, just by me working with just men, I just work with guys, but like so many of them will hang on to the same problem and want the same thing for so long and just have, I think just this unfinished business that they're just not, getting to. And I think that gets to a lot of guys and that holds them back in life. I think that holds you back from, you know, being the best man you can be because you're not solving the problems that you see right there. Like, why do you think, why do you think men especially do that? Why do you think men will hold on to something for so long? Is it because it's an emotional thing and they don't want to go there or they're not, they haven't been taught to go there? Yeah, that's probably a big part of it, I'd say. And, and I think we men have this like deep, archetypal built-in thing around the hero's journey mm -hmm. and we're actually very dramatic on that level so like we want to win the thing that took 10 years and that we struggled for like and we'll want to hold on and 
and stick through that fight so we can get the win at the end. And, you know, there's a, there's kind of an element like that where we'd rather be the hero, like be the protagonist in some, this epic movie kind of scenario than just kind of like realize, okay, no, you can let it go. That's not relevant anymore. That's not important anymore. Right. So that's one part of it. But for the most part, yeah, we just, we don't know how to (laughs) do the full human thing. And we just keep going without actually like cleaning up along the way. It's kind of like, if you think about what's like a really gross example, I don't know. You think about like uh you have like an electronic toothbrush and that thing's going to last, can last you 10 years. But after about six months, if you don't like actually make sure to go back and like clean it afterwards, there's just a little bit of residue. And then eventually like a year later, you're like, oh, holy shit. Like you finally have a girl over and like, I can't let her see this. This is disgusting. That level of emotions have that kind of residue. And if you don't have some kind of built-in place in your life on a daily or weekly basis to really be with yourself, you're just building all that up. And then in a matter of a couple months, it starts to look and smell real bad and you don't really notice, right? And then once it's so big, you're like, well, shit, I don't even know how to deal with this now. This is a big deal and it seems so intense. So we just stuff that aside too. And men are better designed than women to stuff it aside. We can have more blood to our prefrontal cortex and just get back into focusing on some executive function and some get some tasks, some project. So we kind of, it's easier for us to make that switch, but nothing goes away. Hmm. You don't, you just by focusing and, and a lot of guys fall under the, 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 the guise of, well, once I get successful enough, that stuff will kind of clean itself up. Or once I can afford to get a therapist and start going to the gym and eating better and having more time for this, then I can really prioritize those things. And, and since I'll be all successful and have lots of money, like I'll be really available to do that. And it's like, no, you won't. I haven't met a single guy where that really works out. You know, you start making a bunch of money and now you're the guy who has to manage the life that produces all that money. And therefore it's even harder for you to bring in the therapist or the gym or the this or the that there's again there's exceptions there too so for some guys like once i can just afford the gym i'll get the membership so like awesome and then you you make it start happening from there so that's great and some gym memberships are like 20 bucks a month and some gyms are free it's called your living room or your backyard or going on a hike you know so there's really though there's always an entry point even if it's like a mini version of the thing there's always an entry point and starting to get clear on where those are, it's like, great, I want to be more vulnerable. I want to be able to kind of speak to my partner so in a different way so she stops getting so upset because she doesn't da-da-da-da-da. It's like, great, so what's like literally the tiniest, simplest way to do that? You just tell her that you want to do that. She will love hearing that you at least have the intention or like, hey, babe, you know, I thought about it today and I really do want to get better at that. I don't really know how, but I do want to. That alone Mm-hmm. You are having a great night. You're having a great week guaranteed. You know, it's like, so yeah. there's, there's so many entry points for that kind of stuff. And, um, but that residue, I want that notion to like haunt you guys that it's like, wow, you're right. Like I'm just carrying around or it's a ball and chain ultimately. And then you're just adding weight to that chain every time you don't let yourself really be with something. And now again, this isn't some like softy spiritual woo woo, like, be with your feelings and, you know, just meditate your troubles away and any of that stuff, even though meditation is one of the most masculine, powerful, like real deal things you can do. 
But when I'm talking about an emotional thing, and I've been put in the category in the past of being very, like a feminine guy, and and I'm really proud of that. I'm really grateful that I know myself enough to like take care of myself and love myself where it's needed and be soft with myself where it's needed. And all the type of yin kind of feminine qualities are what have saved my life. I'm very happy about that. But at the end of the day, I'm a very, very, very masculine guy um, in all the ways you would imagine and expect. And it's been such a blessing. You know, my mom passed away when I was eight and I have never met my birth mom. So I've had this really interesting traumatic kind of journey, this initiation into needing to be my own mother. So that became this really beautiful gift for me to realize the value of my own, you know, like one of the best things mothers can do for their son is like be the one place they can cry. You're, you can cry with your mom, you know, like, or you can tell your mom how you're feeling. Maybe mom, I really fucked up. Like, blah, blah. like there's always that space because your mom loves you literally no matter what, like literally. I've seen videos on YouTube of a, you know, a mom coming in to the courthouse to be with at her son's trial who just murdered somebody. And she's like, you know, I, I love you, honey. It's going to be okay. I love, and it's like, you know, that's insane. Moms are so great like that. So I had to figure out how to fill that hole in two from, for two moms for myself. So I kind of got dealt a shitty hand that ended up becoming a, a blessing in a sense. Cause I had to learn how to like, be there for myself in those ways. Right. Mm. And if you start to consider if you, if you have like a, if you can feel part of you, that's like averse to that emotional relating you have to, because it's not masculine or something, or it doesn't feel cool or it doesn't feel strong. You have to understand how weak you are for having so much stress or how weak you are for being so shut off or having these, what I call unmentionables, like those things you do at night by yourself just to feel better, just to relax all the, or, or throughout the day. And just nobody even knows, right. It's like, those are the things that I would say are unmanly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding some way, the way you might connect with your emotions is through listening to heavy metal and like fucking stomping around in your room. I still do that. I've been a, I've been in heavy metal bands since I was, you know, 12 years old. That's such a cathartic medicinal thing for me, you know? So there's like that, there's that part built into it as well. But it's like the way you connect with it gets to be unique and gets to be your own. There's no particular, you know, specific method of, of how you have to do it. So you don't have to like feel a particular way. But there's a principle to it I want to introduce that was very helpful for me and might be helpful for you guys. Is this idea that, you know, your feelings have a purpose. They have one purpose. And it's even in the name. They need to be felt. That's the, only pur- that's the only purpose they have. So when you are feeling something, just know, no matter all the stuff and angles, what, how you want to think about it and why it's there and what to do, it's like literally all it needs is to be felt and then it will it'll reveal its purpose. And it'll be an insight. It'll be an aha moment. It'll be, holy shit, I got so upset and frustrated that I'm exhausted now. Great, so you need to get, catch up on some rest. That's exactly what you needed, right? Like at the end of the emotion is the gift of it. And to consider, I had a mentor one time tell me this concept of partnering with the emotion. So uh, the emotion will give you, it's like a partnership, right? You sign on the dotted line, you got this contract, this agreement, we're about to enter into a partnership. And you got to consider the terms and conditions that the emotion has and the terms and conditions that you have. And they're like, great, you know what? I'm happy to, I'm, yeah, I got pissed today, 
about that deal that didn't go through. And I, I remember that podcast I listened to, and I guess I'm supposed to go home and like let myself fully be frustrated about that. Okay, great. Those are my terms and conditions. If I can wait until I get home and have privacy, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to honor because the terms and conditions for feelings are very simple. Just feel it fully. That's it. Feel it all the way. So if that's the terms and conditions, then if I'm going to sign, they need to honor my terms and conditions, which is I need privacy or I need this environment or I need my buddy to be there or I need all right, my girlfriend to maybe hear me out, but then give me some space. Or, you're right, so you, if you, know, you got to know yourself well enough to know what kind of environment and what setup can allow you to partner with the emotion. And then, you, then that's a really beautiful relationship that gets formed. Right. So that. any form of stress, any form of disempowerment, any form of even kind of a lack of emotion is something to partner with. Like, I just feel dull. Great. Be with that. Like fully, be fully dully, right? Like fully get in there and um, just having the space for it. Right. Well, that's another way to put that is just most guys will avoid something like journaling or meditation practice or going on a walk without your phone or without listening to stuff because then you're left there with yourself. And that's the easiest place to find a beautiful partnership with how you're feeling, with what's going on, with what's internal. So sometimes just this space is a great way to honor that partnership. And if you can take literally set a timer for five minutes and just lay down on the floor with your eyes open, staring at the seat, like whatever, whatever setup you need and you just be there and you're like, great, I'm just going to be here. Because by being there, you can go, fuck, I don't want to be here. I got to get shit done. I'm really overwhelmed about all the shit I get. Boom. That's what you partner with, the overwhelm. You just gave yourself the space for that thing to arise. And now you have something to, to do with it. And overwhelm is going to turn into a frantic fight or flight response. And what do we learn about that? That energy is coming up to be utilized. It's not coming up because you're so screwed, you should have anxiety. It's no, you're so available to take the next step that we're going to give you anxiety because we're trying, the body's trying to say, great, that thing you got to get done. Here's the energy. Here's the energy. Go do it. Go do something. Go take the next step. Right. And we always know the next step. Every guy, guys are very smart. We're very strategic. Every guy likes to think at some point, think of their life like a video game. There's always a next step. And usually it's like, put the dishes away vacuum the floor in your car, make yourself presentably. If you haven't trimmed your beard in a while, right? If you haven't like taken a really good shower, if you haven't gotten a haircut, like there's so many entry points to momentum. And I know that's one of the things we wanted to men mention. It's like, how do we kind of get that? It's, you have to realize you always know the next step. There's always a five minute or less next step available to you. And it's always visually with you. Meaning if you're like, what do I do next? Just look around, guaranteed it's there. And if it's not literally like, you know, clothes on the floor, it might just be great. Well, I'm here, I can see myself. When's the last time I stretched? When's the last time I worked out? When's the last time I went on a walk? When's the last time I took a deep breath? All right, the next step is always a deep breath. But there's, there's infinite entry points to momentum. And when you put yourself in the context of realizing what you're doing, which is building momentum, then you'll actually build it. Some guys are like, oh, there's so much to do well, I don't want to like clean up my room because then I'm going to have less energy to like get my work done. It's like, no, you will have more energy when you go, holy shit, my room feels great. This is nice. And, but you have to remind yourself of that, right? Sometimes we kind of convince ourselves like, oh, my house is a mess. So I'll just keep working even though the work isn't quality because I'm so overwhelmed with my environment. And you have to remind yourself like, if I set a timer for 30 minutes 
fucking have my cup of coffee, put on some tunes and just crush it and go at it. My house will be spotless in 30 minutes or it'll be literally a hundred times better in 30 minutes. Usually it's a hundred times better in 10 minutes. You know, like we underestimate the power of a 10 minute timer, you know, a cup of coffee or not, you know, I'm not a big fan of caffeine for as a crutch. Um, but as a tool, it can be great, but, um, putting some music on and just kind of going at it, you know, and like having fun in that video game mentality of like how many momentum coins are literally just sitting on the other side of a made bed or dishes put away or floor swept, right. Or 10 pushups or calling your buddy or going on a walk. Literally those six things I just mentioned, you could do every couple days in some order in some fashion and you are in a different caliber of life. And there's a lot of guys maybe listening who are like, Oh, I got all that covered and I still feel overwhelmed and da 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 da. And I wish we had time to like know your unique thing. So if I didn't totally get to address your thing, you know, you can send us questions. We can make content about it. And there's always nuance, but I guarantee it's something emotional. I guarantee it has something to do with your body and your relationship to that and what you're doing with it. But even that there's still entry points and maybe you've got the baseline of stuff covered, which means you're actually more equipped to do the like higher tier coin missions, which are usually more relational or expressive, right. Or emotional or things like that. And not just the like tidy, not the Jordan Peterson kind of stand up straight, clean up your room, which is always good stuff. Right. Um, but once you got that handled, you're like, great. I, I have a house. I'm happy to invite someone into, to have an important conversation. Right. So there's kind of a priority to some of those things too, right? Like I did the laundry and trimmed my beard and took a shower and I'm ready to go out and get a job or talk to someone or hit on some girls or whatever it is. And you kind of like got, got to tear it out a little bit. Um, but momentum is thinking of it as steps for momentum. Just think of momentum as like, what's the next step? What's the very next step? Don't think about, you know, I think we easily get overwhelmed with the whole, the whole picture, the end result that we want. And it's really just like, no, all you can do is be in the present right now and do the next step. So it is that thing. Yeah. I think and also for- something that um, helped me a lot recently is the Pomodoro method, which is oh, yeah. just set your timer for 25 minutes, do one thing, focus on that one thing that needs to be done. And then you get a five minute rest time and then go again. Yeah. It is so helpful. I cannot believe how helpful it's been for me. And neuroscience studies have proven your brain literally can't focus on anything fully engaged for more than about 25 minutes. So stop trying to act like you can and just yeah. play by the rules and you get a lot more out of it. Most people, you know, they have eight hours of a quote unquote productive day to utilize. And then about 45 minutes out of that whole eight hours was actually fully engaged. But when you break up that eight hours into, you know, 20, 30 minute chunks, you actually could be engaged for the whole eight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We just lose our attention spans suck mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. Yeah. They're so bad. And it's just like, you know, Oh, we need to use those hacks. We need to use those, those ways of just like, okay, when am I the most focused? Even if you, even if you know, like during at different times of the day, you have better focus. I know I'm the most creative in the morning as soon as I wake up mm-hmm. and I would, yeah, me too. I got in this habit of doing like all this easy stuff in the morning. And then at night would come, the night would come and I'd be like, oh, I'm too, I can't be creative now. It's just not coming to me. And then I'm like, wait, I got, <laughs> it's never going to come to me at night. That's not how my brain works. Let's try mm-hmm. that in the morning. Yeah. And it's just get to know yourself, ask yourself questions. Like just don't beat yourself up, just be aware. And mm-hmm. you can call yourself out on shit and also, you know, improve at the same time. It doesn't mean you're- Call yourself in. 
Mm. Like call yourself into it. Yeah. I right. Like that. And that's just some semantics, but it's also an interesting, Oh yeah. Like I guess when I call my, when you call yourself out or you're like shaming yourself or doing that in a particular way, you're unequipping yourself to actually solve the thing. Mm. Cause you're like giving yourself too much a hard time. Like I learned, I learned from my dad to basically be like a Nazi to myself when I get in trouble and really punish myself for it. And that, but it never worked when he did it. So why did I expect it to, you know, it never works when I do it either. But there's a very, there's a pretty logical piece of like, okay, I did that thing that way. Didn't work. Not happy about it. Shitty that I did that. So I'm going to feel shitty for like five minutes. And now I feel like refreshed. Cause like, wow, I'm so glad I like let myself feel that way. And now I'm really clear on how to do it differently. And I'm actually available to move forward and do it differently instead of we'll keep ourselves in this feedback loop, right? Like shame and guilt. When we're little kids, we get sent to our room to be punished for the thing. And we just sit there and stew in our own shame and then walk back out into a house that's ultimately ready to treat us different, but we're still in a state or they're not ready to treat us different. And we sometimes we go in the room and like come to terms. You're like, okay, I'm gonna be a good kid now. And then you leave the room and then you have this house that's still shaming you. Either way, if you stay in that shame or that kind of disempowered state, you then just produce the same problem. So if you, if you are processing something in your life and not making progress towards not a bypass, not like bypassing the emotions, but like you can be sad and empowered at the same time. And you can be stressed and empowered at the same time. And this is kind of get, this might sound tricky, but you can be sad and disempowered at the same time, right? To understand something as simple though, it's like, oh my God, I just got dumped. I'm going to be sad and I'm going to be disempowered because holy shit, I feel defeated. How did this happen? Like, I must be a shitty person. Like all those things naturally come up, let them come up. But you got to already have that understanding of like, yeah, that's supposed to come up. That's naturally, I want a review process of the relationship after the breakup. I want to like, learn and grow from this. And all of a sudden that sadness is like, Whoa, if I really go in there, why am I so sad? Oh, cause I could have done better here. And all of a sudden the sadness is like leading you to a breakthrough. And now you can be empowered and sad at the same time where you're like steering that ship of sadness to go find how deep as it can take you and find all the gold that it has for you. Mm-hmm. And when it's this disempowered sadness, we're not steering a ship. We're just in this tidal wave of feels and, uh, and then ultimately producing a bunch of shit that's not even real. And we're over-exaggerating and dramatizing because of the emotional state. So if you like honor it and are willing to ride alongside it and partner with it, it'll go show you exactly why you're sad. And then you go, holy shit, there's a lesson right there. And I'm willing to receive that lesson. And now there's like honor in the sadness. Mm. And it served a purpose instead of just wiping you out. Yeah. See the purpose in your feelings, guys. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And don't try to figure out what the purpose is. Just feel them. And the purpose is a natural result. Yeah, just know there's, yeah. Love that. Oh, this is so great. I've like, yeah, I've fun. never talked less on a podcast. <laughs> oh, that's so, great. I think it's especially great uh, for this time. Because as I mentioned to you during this time in the world, when there's just so much fear and uncertainty and, and, people struggling. I think a lot of people are trying to look more internally during this time because what else can you do? You know, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't have the social lives we, we normally have. So a lot of people are turning inward and they're all, and they're afraid when they turn inward. Cause they're like, holy shit, I don't know this person or I don't know this guy. Um, so I think this was really helpful to get guys on the right track um, internally to know what they want and how to 
you know, close the, close the gap or close the circle. And, um, this is so helpful. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful for me too. So thank you. Um, let, let the guys know where they can find you for further info and all that stuff. And then I'm going to ask you your last question. Sure. Um, NathanielSolace.com is my website and you can just kind of check stuff out there. And then I'm most active on Instagram. So feel free to go find me on there. Send me a message. That's just Nathaniel underscore solace. And, um, feel free to say hi. I'm a real human being. I like talking to people. I won't try to sell you a bunch of stuff, you know? (laughs) And, um, yeah, looking forward to, it's fun to come into like a men's specific community and get to dive into these things. And, um, and I just really want to give, celebrate all the guys who listen and, and just mad respect and deep bow to you guys for the fact that you even listen to a podcast like this has a lot about you. Um, so just totally celebrating you and encouraging you to like keep being on your path and, and know that there's an infinite amount of goodness to continue to come your way by showing up and doing this kind of work. Love it. Thank you for that. Thanks for the support. All right. So the last question is if you were to die tomorrow and you were able to give one last message to the world in Mm -hmm. short, what would that message be to men? Own your breath. And I might stay kind of cryptic like that because I want to speak to something much deeper in men that they always have access to this sort of like warrior primal nature, but this idea of like owning your breath means you're in charge of how you're breathing, which means you're in charge of your attention and you're in charge of your willpower and you're in charge of what can be generated in your own body. Right. Men have experienced and women have experienced every type of scenario that humanity can provide, that this earth can provide. And every single one of them has breathed through it. And every single one of them that's made more from it has ended up breathing differently. And it's not just a metaphor. It's like a literal owning your breath. If you're hearing this right now, taking a deep breath right now, realizing that's where your power is and you have that choice in every moment. And why wouldn't you live a life where you are so aware of yourself that you can choose to take a deep breath whenever it matters the most and whenever you need it the most. And so that you are naturally breathing so deeply that you never even need to take a deep breath because you're just that so inhabited in your fullness. So some sort of message around that. I like that question. It's going to make me kind of think about that a bit more, but something simple like that feels good. I love that. And I think that just goes back to what you said earlier, where it's like, you know, most of the biggest problems we have in our life are really just, they have simple answers. And I think Mm -hmm. that was a great way to come back to that. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. This was great. It was great. I learned so much and I, I know the guys did too. So I just thank you for your work and what you're doing. And, and I just, I really appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome.